You're listening to the Housing Diversity Network's second podcast series with your host, Stuart Wilkin. HDN exists to promote equality, diversity and inclusion in the housing sector and beyond. Hi everybody and welcome to HDN's second uh, series of podcasts. We're very excited to do this. If you heard our first series of podcasts, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, There's a really big difference this time because we're here in video, not just audio. Um, so uh, you can't see, but I'm wearing trousers, that matters. Uh, you can see what we're drinking. Uh, I'm drinking uh, Fanta. Uh, there are other soft drinks available, of course. Today I'm joined, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Abdul Ravat, and we're going to be talking again about the Yorkshire cricket crisis and how things have moved on from there. Abdul, hi, what are you drinking? H2O. H2O, very healthy. So... Okay, let's go. I mean, we, we did a live cast back in November when everything hit the fan really quickly. Um, could you just, just give me your recollections of exactly what was happening at the time, why it happened and, and how it came out? So if you remember when we had the podcast uh, last time, it was a few days after the select community hearing in which um, Azim Rafiq gave some compelling um, account as what he had endured in terms of his concerns around racism and the way he was treated within the institution of Yorkshire County Cricket Club. And to be honest with you, that that, that hearing was... Um, um, quite empowering and, and, and quite grueling at some stages. Obviously, other people gave evidence. So Roger Hutton, the departing chief executive of Yorkshire um, County, um, was there. Lord Patel was there, as well as uh, representatives from the ECB. And since then, there's been more revelations, more departures, um, new introductions with obviously Lord Patel at that moment, he'd only been in the job for, I think, four days, if I remember rightly. Um, and he's he's brought in significant amounts of changes and upheaval um, within Yorkshire cricket um, as, as an institution. There's been other pressure um, applied from, from other, 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 other partners um, in the sense that um, some of the key MPs and ministers have got involved. So... All of this has been under the under the glare of the public. I mean, I think more revelations have come out from other counties. Um, Azim himself, you know, reflect on some of his behaviour in the past and and learned and and, and apologise for that. Um, and 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 who knows what's around the corner? I mean, we know that um, the equity in cricket, that Cindy Butts' uh, uh, whistleblowing hotline has identified 4,000 or something cases and Yorkshire have had its own. So we're at a stage now where, you know, has the dust settled? We don't know. Uh, you think the story, you know, is settling and then something else happens. So last Friday, uh, we got another dose of this in the sense that finally the report um, from the DC. MC Sports Committee um, concluded its findings in terms of it concluded that there is racism in cricket. Now, I find it bizarre that we work in housing and where there's been a denial of racism in housing for, for decades, you know, and that the plight of many people in, in, our, in our community are blighted because of poor, poor housing. Yet, you know, here you have a government, you know, very, very forward and saying that, you know, there is racism and more to the point that, you know, if it's not tackled, then actually public funding will be withdrawn from, from the sport. 
So that is a, a whole new ball game in terms of the regulator and and the regular who's regulating the regulator. So we've got this, all these sort of issues going on, which we can talk for hours in terms of governance, in terms of transferability into other sectors, and how this is all going to play out is going to be really interesting you know, going forward. But I think it's important to take regular stock of what's going on, reflect on this, but also pose some some challenges as to what we're learning, what we're seeing, and, and how our organization adapting and coping with this, you know, as they go along. Because that's the thing, you know, because it's happening, Yorkshire cricket has been found out, but that's not to say that, you know, there are others. And it's whether they've got the eyes open and ears wide, you know, to, to listen, hear and reflect. Next week's a big week. I think on the 25th of January, the, the ECB and four Clubs are going to be meeting, aren't they, uh, and reporting to the select committee to yes. say, you know, what have they actually done so far? Yorkshire's one, Middlesex is one. Yeah, um, so let's let's see what let's see what happens there. I mean, one of the one of the things that um, DCS and Julian Knight has been very clear about that you know it's not one of those things where you can say, oh, we'll learn, we'll, lessons need to be learned. Like that's usually the the, the 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 prescription that you get, yeah, yeah, and then nothing happens. In it. And actually, I was doing some research. So the issue around racism in cricket first was identified. To ECB back in 1999, a report, independent report, was commissioned. Recommendations were made, and you know what? It's probably been still collecting dust in that 23 years. So we've got to learn from that. So why in 2021 did Azim Rafiq uh, send such shockwaves out? Why was it Azim Rafiq? Why you know how did he manage to bring it right to the fore? Good point. Um, partly, I think our, our ability to um, not take this sort of behavior and also i think public opinion has changed the fact that major commercial and international brands wanted to distance themselves from a from the toxicity of what this was um, playing out obviously you know what, what we've seen through black lives matters is 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 a test case i think of um the individual versus the institution and i think you know generally people 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 found it abhorrent that he had been disregarded and and his concerns no matter how low or, or or wide or small they be were just disregarded and and that 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 level of david and goliath you know um i think came to the fore yeah and so in some senses the timing helped uh azim uh, in in the sense that the, the world was awakened to the black lives matter movement and so people were much more sensitive to these things and so there was more reception yeah, policymakers, government, um, politicians all had a different mindset to some of these issues than they probably had done hitherto Black Lives Matters. What do, I don't want to get too personal about it, but what do you think Azim's biggest um, upset was? What was he most upset about? I'm not sure. I mean, that's not, it's a question for him. But yeah. I think for me, it's probably that he was disregarded. He was. He, he, it's as if he didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I've been thinking about this. and the, To me, there's... There are things around things that are said, words that are unacceptable, um, actions that are unacceptable. But the point of inclusion is whether you actually feel like you belong. Uh, I get the impression, and I haven't, I haven't never met, uh, I've never met Azim, but you get the impression he's the sort of guy who wants to be liked, who wants to be one of the boys, one of the team. Uh, and cricket, you're 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 a big cricket man. I'm a big cricket man. We know it. the team is so important, and if you don't feel part of the team for whatever reason, it's just not right. Um, there's something about it's whether you're included as a friend, as a colleague, and you know a, a crucial part of the team. And it just struck me. I, I saw uh, only last week England lost four 0 in the Ashes to uh, Australia. 
which is a shame. Which <laughs> we've got a lot, a lot of things to sort out on the cricket side there. And the worst, one of the worst parts about it is, of course, the the relentless uh, pommy bashing from the Australian press. So the you know they'll have a real go at you know England can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that, and we'll go oh it's Australia. Um, but the the thing that really struck me was that in the after match celebrations, um, Pat Cummings, the captain, who is it? Pat Cummings, he's just an Aussie. Yeah. So they're spraying champagne all over each other. Pat Cummings noticed that Usman Khawaja, the Muslim player, was stood aside. Um, so he stopped the champagne, chill the champagne aside, get Usman in and celebrate with your teammates. A fantastic 4 0 victory. It sticks in my throat to say that, but it was a fantastic 4 0 victory. Good on them. But they had the whole 11 players all celebrating as one. Well, in a way, in a way, we that's been done for a while actually in the UK in the England game. So you know, with Moin Ali and Adil Rashid being frequent um, players within the England setup, every time they've celebrated a victory or a tournament or even the World Cup, even the World Cup, you know, they made sure that um, they were included in terms of the celebrations, that they were pivotal part of the of the team. But then obviously they 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 moved themselves from the scene or, or from their point of view from harm's way you know and, and allowed the rest of the team to celebrate how they wanted now to me that is diversity inclusion and equality coming together in the right way and it's working everybody understands each other yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you know for, to achieve equality right um it doesn't mean that you have to treat everybody the same what you have to do is understand people's differences and embrace those yeah and so i think i think just referring to to azim the the thing that was most harrowing from his testimony was the the, the issue about he had a, with the family, this poor the poor the poor child losing the child. You know, and if that's a moment where you can't feel an arm around you and your friends around you, you really know whether you're included or not. Yeah, for sure. That must have been on a personal level traumatic, you know, yeah. for him, his wife, and his rest yeah. of the family. And then to go into work. I mean, we could only. We can only summarise because we weren't there. To then get no comfort or sympathy or support suggests that you know, and there is an institution, an employer who just doesn't care about you. You know, they just see you as a number. So long as you're performing on the pitch, you're all right. So long as you have a bad day, you know, you're 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 surplus to requirement. And that, is that the sort of world we want to live in? No, absolutely. And I think whatever Gary Valance said to Azim Rafiq and whatever Azim said to Gary, it doesn't really matter. It's whether you're actually included and part of the family. Uh, so, so, so where are they now? What, pro, what progress? What progress in so, Yorkshire? Stay so, at cricket with for the minute. We'll just do cricket for the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. So, obviously, what DC the report from DCSM is quite, quite um, interesting. Um, it, it also, for me, in the one hand, highlights that this issue came to the fore because the press, you know, and the journalists, you know, who picked this story up and ran with it, you know, made this an issue. If they hadn't. Do you think we'd be talking here today? I mean, and, and that to me is, is is an issue where there are so many people out there who are suffering these sort of issues in complete silence, you know, because there's no they have they feel as if they've got no voice. So in that sense, you know, I think I think Azim Rafiq case has resonated with a lot of people that you know what we are we, we we should be we we how are we as organization as society you know treating those who are most vulnerable or potentially who are most at harm in terms of our behavior so that that's that, that, that's a critical one and you can you can we talk we can talk about how housing organization fit that description but the other issue is that 
I, I quite like the idea that, you know, there's going to be regular reporting here, not just, you know, kicking the long grass. And that is going to compel action. That's going to compel ECB to consider its role very carefully in, in, in because there's been this 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 terminology about ECB being the governing body on the one hand, and then in there, and there was a there was a quote from the minister, you know, a sports minister saying we 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 would need to look at whether there's a need for independent regulator in cricket, as they are considering now for football. So those two are very different things. You can be the governing body, whether you regulate is a very different sphere itself, and 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 therefore I think ECB are going to have to talk and discuss and and and. and and show what the changes they need to bring in. Because I think I think what's, for me, it's clear, carrying on the way they were is simply not going to wash. And part of that is where does, you know, in, in the sphere of regulatory toolbox, where does, where does issues around equality and diversity sit alongside financial viability, alongside governance, you know, alongside commercial partnerships, you know, and all those sort of things, you know. And that's going to be a very interesting challenge for ECB because they've not had to confront this. They've never, ever had to confront this. I think if they do it right, personally it's a it's a template for the rest of the game you know which then the icc can look at and say you know what that's a good template for us to adopt mm. yeah and then and back to yorkshire do you think they have taken the right steps because they've gone gone through the place like a dose of salts fairly quickly lord patel came fairly quickly and then 16 16 coaching staff and senior staff went fairly quickly can you change a culture uh, by taking rapid action like that at the top and then hope that it then disseminates down? Or do you think there's a potential for too much of a shock? So you gotta So culture is one of those things we talk about a lot. It's it's you feel it, but you can't touch it. Mm-hmm. So how are you gonna feel the change in, in, in wind direction, you know, so to speak? So let's look at some of the some of but, the uh, but are we are we assuming that the sixteen people that are gone were the ones that were poisonous? There was a reason why they went, mm-hmm. no doubt. And part of that was, as Lord Patel said in his first interview, um, he needed to regain trust. Okay. And if these people were the problem in terms of that trust being um, you know, recovered, then they had to go. I mean, you know, they, they, I'm sure there were legal and contractual um, implications behind that. And no doubt he would have taken those because uh, if he hadn't, He's allowing himself under judicial review, you know, in due course and, and legal challenge. Yeah. So, so if you park that to one thing, mm-hmm. but culture belongs to all of us. We all contribute to the culture, you know, whether whether directly or indirectly. So, the, for, for me, one of the well, let's 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 look at some of the some of the undercurrent issues here. So, I picked up in the last few days that there's been a that that, that the, um, Lord Patel wants to instigate a lot of governance changes. You know, there is um, an independent governance review underway, a very swift one, which will report um, in time for a special AGM that he's organised next month, right? And he wants to um, instigate a whole range of changes, which which I think the way I look at it, it looks at the, the relationship between the membership and, and, and its, its ability um, to influence strategy. So let's, let's, just, let's just pause there in terms of the membership and how not just Yorkshire, but a lot of cricket organisations, sport organisations function. So Yorkshire has, you know, 
quite a lot of members, fee-paying members who pay, I don't know, about £250 a month. And ultimately, all the key decisions have to have the ratification of, of the membership. Mm-hmm. Now, the membership actually, you know, yields in about £660,000 um, a year. Not a small amount of money, but still, compared to the relative overall turnover of, of cricket clubs, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reasonable amount, you know, but not significant. But the thing is, let's look at the makeup of that membership. You know, the makeup of that membership is generally older, pale, white. And actually, you know, when I look at the minutes, you know, every year they're departing from this world at, mm. at a fast rate. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, who's becoming members of, 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 your, of, of cricket clubs like that? You know, it doesn't reflect the diversity or the demographics of the Yorkshire brand, of the Yorkshire county. So that's one big issue for me. But then then I would argue, well, someone from Bradford here or someone from Batley, you know, um, I'd ask, well, what's in it for me? If I go to an, if I go to an, an AGM, you know, I won't see many of my colour in there. You know, I won't see many people who reflect my values, you know. So what, what is the benefit of just me joining an institution at Yorkshire County? And that's going to be a challenge. But I've also heard, you know, recently in the last few days, um, ex-president, um, um, chairman of Yorkshire Curriculum, Robin Smith, criticising Lord Patel about some of these things. So there's a bit of a, perhaps a backlash, you know, coming through from the swiftness of these decisions. Robin Smith, the former cricketer. No, 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 no. Robin Smith, ah. the legal expert. <laughs> Although, yeah, I was going to get in a mess there. With the, Robin so. Smith was a good player. Yeah, yeah, so he absolutely. used to battle against the West Indies. Yeah. You do. I must get this in before we go on to the uh, Robin Smith, you know, what, what Robin Smith is saying. Um, you do realise that Mustak and I have just renewed our membership for Lancashire on the right side of the uh, Pennines. Well, that's your choice. <laughs> there you go. So go on, Robin Smith, you, you say there's some so he's, criticism. He's, he's, there was an article in Yorkshire Post last week, which I picked up, and he's basically saying that, you know, fundamentally that and the fact that Lord Patel is bringing in uh, potentially uh, a new board structure and he's looking for, you know, half a dozen of, of um, new board NED, NED executives and with particular skill sets, the, the article suggests that the fundamental relationship between the membership and, and the county cricket club is shifting and potentially um, people from outside outside the sector or outside the county could could sabotage or influence in a direction which which is n- not um, con- not conducive to the traditions of the club. Now you could argue that that's been happening in football and that's why Tracy Crouch, the MP, led the fan-led review because there was some some risk profile issue in terms of the Super League, foreign ownership of clubs, etc. I don't think so. We're in that league in terms of, of, of football, so I don't think so. We need to fear that. But it just goes to show that you know these these long standing traditions are part of the Yorkshire culture. And when you start to sort of question those yeah. and, and look at the validity of those in the modern world, there's going to be comeback, isn't it? So what's Robin? Just to understand, what's Robin Smith's concern that? People from outside Yorkshire are joining the club. Well, there was a particular concern about new non-executive directors yeah. who may not be members of uh, the club. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to me, you know, when we join housing associations, for example, you know, we become a a, a member of that organisation and normally given a share share you know um, certificate, which lasts for as long as you are part of that organisation. Yeah. yeah. But it just goes to show that it'd be interesting. How then, if that motion is not carried out, what happens 
when that's reported back to DCSM. What's ECB going to do about that? Do you see the kind of worms that this opens up? Yeah, absolutely. I'm coming back to back to culture. Then, if we look at the um, culture, comes from the top down. Sometimes it comes from from the ground as well. Now, we, you and I have both done quite a lot in grassroots cricket. You know, played 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 a lot of cricket and worked a lot in cricket. What would you say is the percentage of Asian cricketers in Yorkshire of the total percentage? Because there's a there's a huge Huge uh, number of Asian cricketers in Yorkshire. Yeah, there is the formal and there's the informal. Yeah. Okay. And so um, officially, there are about eight hundred cricket clubs um, in, in in across the county. Yeah. So more cricket gets played in Yorkshire than anywhere in in the country, including may I add Lancashire. Uh huh. There you go. So Lancashire is probably about the second, about five hundred and sixty clubs. You know, so you're not you're not you're not doing badly, but yeah. you're not you know you're not there. <laughs> Smaller as county. Cricket. You say that. <laughs> um, but the thing, is, but the thing is, so participation number is probably around a third within yeah. that. So that's broken down into unique leagues which cater primarily for Asian clubs, yeah. or or clubs um, which which are all Asian or, or 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 minority ethnic. I mean, in Leeds we've got the Caribbean Cricket Club, it's a yeah. very long established club, yeah. um, who play in the traditional affiliated leagues. Yeah. Or you've got players, you know, who play in individual um, teams, you know, um, of, of South Asian origin or what have you. So you've got you've got a sort of plethora of different approaches um, in that respect. Um, but the challenge is, is, is that there are inbuilt um, disparities, inequities, discrimination, institutional racism. You you know the spectrum is quite wide. So when you then measure how much of that talent at junior levels comes through at district level and then at, at, at county level, there's a massive drop-off. And, and so one analysis is why that is happening, you know. And that, that analysis will tell you a lot about the cultural fit, the sort of framework that's there at the moment, which, which really makes it difficult. So give you a good example. So a lot of Muslim players um young lads you know i mean we we do it at mount cricket club um we have had to adjust our our delivery of of coaching and program to fit around you know so sort of the fact that they go to to mosque after school so if we have practices during the week right we're going to struggle because you know they, we, we've talked to mosque and stuff and, that, and where there's key matches we, we've we've adopted a flexible approach but it's on a one or on a one to one basis, you know. But if 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 a club was was um, intransigent about that, then those kids would not would not would not be able to participate. So it's picking out those sort of issues and finding a solution where it works for all of them. You know what we said earlier about you know to to get equality means that we have to treat everybody differently in some sense where yeah. a lot of the narrative is that oh you're all the same, you know we have to yeah. be all the same. Not necessarily. The rainbow is not the same. No, absolutely. I just look at um, look at the Yorkshire squad, the Yorkshire squad now, and you say a third, a third, of- a third. So then, so, so then, when you so just so then, because of those blockages, yeah. right, for one or a better word, yeah. the numbers that come through yeah. get distilled out. Yeah. So there's very few, and as you up as you go up to the agenda, yeah. um, there's nothing. So what's going to be interesting now is one of the things in the report on Friday was this need to develop a set of PIs. Well, as you know, in our housing yeah, sector, yeah. we're full of PIs. You know, we can yeah. give you PIs to the cows come home. So I hope they come and talk to us, you know, because I think, you know, they hopefully avoid the mistakes of some of these PIs that, that we've made over the past. Yeah. But that is, that's what I said earlier. Because of that, and because there's going to be an ongoing scrutiny to report, 
that's going to compel changes in behavior, in procedures and outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to take time. You, uh, you've 28 senior players in Yorkshire and one is... Uh, there's one, I think, in the in, Adel, the, in the squad. Yeah. Adel Rashid, one out well, of Well, there's one in the squad and there's another one in the second league and the sort of second there tier. Are two, there are two, two lads in the academy. So it's, it's going the right way, isn't it? But it's a slow. Well, that's slow. a fifty percent increase. Yeah, yeah. Spin the well, statistics. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, did, you, did you see that? Spin the statistics. That's very good. I mean, you know, when, when we've all become experts in um, in mathematics and viral how viruses grow now. So if yeah, if you go from one to two, then it's going to go really quickly. And let's hope it does because you know, speaking as Lancaster, I really hope that Lancaster actually do better than Yorkshire for a long, long time. <laughs> but you're only going to get better if you've got the best talent from wherever it comes from and the yeah, and the, the, the countless players who are just being overlooked. I mean, there, there has been some challenge to Lord Patel in terms of the... So so one of the other issues is that, as you know, at the moment, um, one of the sort of reaction to the Asima Rafiq case from ECB was that um, they removed potentially for Yorkshire to host um, um, the major, major, major... Um, um, the test matches. The, well, the, the test match with, I think, New Zealand yeah. and one of the one days with, I think, West Indies or South Africa, I remember. Yeah. You know, and those are critical from a financial point of view. They're critical for Yorkshire's success, you know, financial success. Now, so one of the things that ECB have done is laid out some criterias and preconditions that, that they have to be met before they would reconsider. Now... I think the latest um, latest um, uh, updates that we've had from Lord Patel that they've made very good progress. And one of the things that they've done is that there's this partnership with the Pakistan um, Premier League team, Colunders, um, um, about, you know, collaboration work in um, and sort of reverse mentoring, if you want to call it, you know. So there's been, there's, there's, I've heard some noise that, well, why do you need to go to Pakistan to find homegrown talent? You know, there must be homegrown talent there. Fair point. But I think the mere fact that they're starting to look at some of these initiatives shows that the culture has been driven, you know, um, very much um, from the top at the moment. And in time, we all have to own that owner. And that's where some of the things that we've been doing, I've been doing with, with ECB, and actually with the support of HGDN and, and Mushtaq, is, 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 is how we can support and assist that cultural shift that it's owned by all of them. And part of, part of what we've said to them is that, look, we have to talk about this, you know? We have to build that talk with some facts, figures, and, and, and remove some of the ignorance and, and, and misinformation. And by doing that, you strengthen your you have a coat of armor around you which in which you can deal with this on your day-to-day -day basis but actually it's not about that we just do it once it's got to be an ongoing process so hopefully they will listen and, and respond and hopefully benefit we'll see time will tell so just turning a, a little bit to the housing sector about what would you say we could learn from what's happened in Yorkshire and in cricket what 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 do they do wrong what are they doing right and what can we learn that's a big question. Yes, That's three a big, big questions. questions. Those are big questions. Um, one is, I, I think for me, is that it could happen in any arena. In, and, and for housing organisations, you know, this whole issue that, you know, we our values, our cultures, you know, uh, they're not just words. They've got to be, they've got to be backed up by determination and action on the ground. And that's why a lot of housing associations say all the right things, have all the right documents and all the digital platforms, but are they delivering on the ground, you know? So, you know, an association I've recently been dealing with, not too far from here, 
made an announcement, you know, through their new chief executive that we're, we're, we're a strategic partner with Homes England and we're going to get X millions of pounds of investment and we're going to deliver all these homes. So my question to him, that's wonderful. So can you explain to me how that investment is going to be directed in terms of meeting the needs of BNME communities, in terms of older people and in terms of those who have no roof overhead? And I couldn't get an answer. I still haven't got an answer. All I got is corporate sound bites. So do you see what I mean? It's rhetoric, isn't it? It's not reality. Mm -hmm. So we know we can, I mean, it's been played out in front of the whole world what went wrong at uh, Yorkshire County Cricket Club. What's fundamentally wrong in our sector that means that we can't get the right people into the right places, that we can't give uh, our customers the right services? Well, the sad What's thing, stopping us? The sad thing is that what, what, for example, DCSM is imposing in terms of performance indicators, more scrutiny, monitoring, we were doing that 15, 20 years ago yeah. in an abundance. And actually, the sector was moving. It had a lot of, a lot of um, initiatives to, to reduce the gap. And that was because there was a clear strategy. There was commitment from government. And there was key actors like the regulator, you know, who, who, who made this their business. Some of those pieces of the jigsaws aren't there in, 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 in totality. So what we're doing is we're, we're saying to um, individual organizations that irrespective of that, don't wait for that, you know, carry on this work yourself. But I think sometimes that can only take you so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate that, you know, strong regulation means that you put equality and diversity on a par with, with, with um, financial viability. Yeah. And how would, you, how would you rate the housing sector culturally? How do, we, how do you stand against other sectors? I think we've got, we've got a lot to teach other sectors. We've got a lot to um, show other sectors. But equally, I think we've got a lot to learn and, 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 and learn from the private sector, for example, where you know, the business case for diversity is probably paramount in terms of their behavior because they see the business benefit um, rather than, say, the social purpose side of it. Um, but for, for, for housing organization, it's fundamental. You know, if you look at each housing organization's core values, it will be to meet those needs of those people who cannot deliver housing solutions because they're on modest means. And, and then, then you've got to look at the society and the context and who is the most vulnerable and are they marrying up. And also, I mean, I'll give you another example, which is, what, which is for me quite an interesting one. So we will start to roll out, get rolled out the results from the census. What the census is going to show is that our community and our society is even more diverse than it was 10 years ago. In some location that have been shifted rapidly, but our mindset is still in 2011. So what we've got to do now is not just look at the snapshot picture 21, but project forward, you know, project what we'll be like in five and ten years, and then base your performance against that. I mean, I always think that the, the public sector can learn a lot from the private sector, and the private sector can learn from the public sector. And if you've got, I think in the public sector, I'm right in saying that around 1% of uh, senior leadership positions are, are filled by black and minority ethnic groups. In, in the private sector, it's nearer 2%. Now, that just clangs to it's me. It's not, not a big difference there, is there? Well, it's double. and It's, it's you know, double. Playing <laughs> statistics again. Yeah, it's <laughs> double. And, the, 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 you know, I mean, I think 1% is a significant when they're talking about the numbers. I, now, I, it's, it's, all, it's all down. It's not just down to shareholder value. It's not because they, they know they will make more money. Because the, the, the obvious benefits are in terms of uh, PR, in terms of marketing, in terms of staff morale, in terms of staff retention. And then you've got 
obviously on with a diverse board you get better decisions so it then does start to affect the bottom line so isn't doesn't can't we just apply that in the public public sector and say look let's run it as a business and and uh, not worry too much about the as you said the, the social aspects of it run it as a business keep the social equality and the social aspects of it there but just get a little bit more cute in making sure we find the right people yeah, I suppose the, the, the cricket scenario is an interesting one because it's self-contained in a way, you know. Yeah. And in, in many respects, you know, you could argue, and it'd be interesting to see what the Good Governance Review um, highlights uh, for Yorkshire in terms of what some of the key lessons and changes need to be made. But one for me is the diversity or lack of diversity of thought at those critical decision and discussion points you know, on the board. So if there isn't that diversity, you're, you're approaching it with an air of blinkenedness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So where do you think, um, if you if you got a crystal, crystal ball, where do you think cricket's going to be in a year's time? And do you think we're still going to be ahead in the housing sector in terms of the cultural, in terms of the diversity? In well, terms of well the I'm going to challenge you, Dave. What makes you think that we are ahead in the, in, in the housing sector? Ahead of you, cricket? Eh? Ahead of cricket? Well, you, how, 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 in what way? I mean, the, the recent report that housing, um, the, the NHF did, that, you know, in terms of board and senior managed composition, it hasn't shifted that much. No. There's a lot more talk about it, but that hasn't that hasn't shifted numbers bums on the sea. So is that down to culture? Because we, you know, in cricket, the, the issues are down to culture. Cultures. At the end of the day, you've 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 got to want to do it in the first place. If that isn't there, if that commitment isn't there from the organisation, you know, no matter how much you try, they won't. They will. They will prevaricate. You know. But equally, um, the balance between regulation and, and and encouragement has to be there. So we shall see whether some of the answers are, are sort of um, informed by the consumer regulation. I've got my reservations in the sense that the narrowness of what social of, of what consumer regulation is about may not capture all of this. You know, so I go I go back to the point that you know a decade ago we had regulatory plans, for example, for each housing association, which was based on a whole range of risk profiles that the regulator undertook. You know, before it presented a plan of activities for them. I mean, something that we're talking to to ECB about potentially because the, the current county partnership agreement is not fit for purpose it needs to it, 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 it probably there isn't a line on E&D EDI on there but the thing is if you are informing the people that you regulate in the, this is the context these are the tools that we've got we think you need you need our input into these areas and we'll be transparent with you likewise we expect these things from you I think that creates a healthy environment you know for some of these areas because you then take some of the emotion out of it and you look at it logically I said we need to turn uh, words into action. Um, can we? Can we not help the cricket world? Can we not teach the cricket world something? Well, we are. We are. We are. We are doing some tremendous um, behind-the-scene work with ECB and Yorkshire. Um, I mentioned the Royal We there, but basically on on developing a learning and development package which helps them to understand and particularly their staff whether you're in the boardroom whether you're a volunteer on the day of a game or whether you're a groundsman you know your experience will be different but understanding you know what that experience has and how that impacts people who come to the ground will help them to make better decisions um we are also helping in terms of testing this issue out around regulation because ECB clearly have to demonstrate some improvements to the current current position. And 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 I, I think we're better to start than in Yorkshire. Yeah. I think just back to the cricket, finally, I think we've um 
I say we, I'm not from Yorkshire, but I think Yorkshire, there seems to be a smile on people's faces today as the announcement that Otis Gibson has been appointed as the new head coach. What do you make of that? I think that's a fantastic um, appointment. Well, I think I think um, there was a lot of interest in, in that position from worldwide. So it's not, it's not as if, you know, he was the only person applying, you know, there was a lot of, and there was a robust process from what I can gather, but it's a good appointment. He's tried and tested. He, he was the, I think, coach of the T20 world or something last year or something. Yeah, I think he's, um, he was the England bowling coach in 2007. Was, yeah. Because I think he's, he's, was his career cut short with injury a little yes, bit? Yes, he was. He was yeah. a PC all-rounder, wasn't he? He was, he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was England for uh, 2007. He's, He's been to Pakistan, he's South he's Africa. Certainly, he's certainly been the boss of South Africa and yeah. West Indies yeah. cricket. Yeah. Because he's, he's from Barbados, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, and then latterly, Bangladesh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. he comes with a lot of experience, a lot yeah. of diverse um, contexts, you know, that he draws on. And I think I think people will warm to him. You know, Yorkshire folk, at the end of the day, you know, too warm to people, you know, who who, who they can see are doing some, you know, their, their maximum, you know, to bring back uh, the glory days for Yorkshire, both on and off the pitch. So I think it'd be a good appointment. And to be fair, you know, it's going to be an interesting transition year for Yorkshire on the pitch because of um, all the stuff that's going on. And hopefully um, they can they can get some of the big pieces of the jigsaw right and, 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 and then move from there. But I, I, like we said at the start, this story just keeps giving and who knows what else is going to give next. Exactly. Who knows what else is going to give next. So now I would say that with the, in, with, in the kindest possible way as a Lancastrian, it's great to see Yorkshire in a mess, but not in this kind of mess. You know, we, we like to see the team lose, but we don't want to see this sort of thing. Well, uh, we thank don't... you for your sympathy. <laughs> or is it really real sympathy? It is sympathy. I'll go on. I'll say, who do you think who do you think is going to be smiling more in September? The season's going to start in, in April. Who's going to be smiling more in September? You, Abdul, or me and Mushtaq? I think it's probably the Aussies. you <laughs> <laughs> be right. So fight, uh, fight a common enemy, I think. Exactly. That's my mantra. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's been great. Well, thank you ever so much, Abdul. It's been it's been great chatting to you. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Um, that's the first in our second series of podcasts. Um, if you enjoyed it, leave us a review, and we'll see you again soon.